During the three weeks, of course, we know we're mourning the Chorben Beis HaMikdash, Chorben Yushalayim. And throughout our history so far, as of yet, we've had two Batei Mikdashim. We had two, two times in our history we had a Beis HaMikdash. The first Beis HaMikdash stood 410 years. The second Beis HaMikdash stood 420 years. Says the Gemara in Yuma, why was the first Beis HaMikdash destroyed? So the Gemara tells us, in Mesech Yuma and Afyurah Midbeis, Mikdash Rishon Mibnei Macharaf, why was the first base Hamikdash destroyed? Because of three sins that they had. Idolatry, adultery, murder. The three biggies, right? The three cardinal sins. During the times of the first base Hamikdash, we can't even imagine such a thing. But the Jewish people had sunk to a level where they had, were violating the three cardinal sins, Avodazara, idolatry, Giliarayas, illicit relationships, murder. Ask the Gemara, During the second Beis HaMikdash, there was no idolatry, there was no adultery, there was no murder. They learned Tyra. Every night they came to Shiurim. Every morning they learned. Not only that, uva mitzvahs. They did mitzvahs. All kinds of mitzvahs. All the mitzvahs. Ugmilus chasadim. Bikur chaylem. Hachnasas kala. Havayas hames. All the gmilus chasadim. Anything you can imagine. They, they would lend you money. You needed money? They'll lend you money in a second. You needed tzedakah? They'll give you tzedakah. Any form of kindness that you could imagine, they performed in the time of the second day semikdash. Right? They had all the organizations. Time Cheshabis. Right, Satmer, Hachnas, right, Bikr Chaylem. Every hospital, they had every possible chesed you could imagine. Chai Lifeline, they had everything. So what was missing? Mibnei Macharaf. Right, they had Torah, they had chesed, they did mitzvahs. What was missing? Says the Gemara, Mibnei Shehoisa Boy Sinas Chinam. They hated each other. They didn't like each other. What do we learn from here? Lila Medcha, we learn from here. Sheshkula Sinas Chinam. Keneged Sholosh Averos. Sinas Chinam is the equivalent of three sins. Avay Dezara, Gili Arayos, Shvichas Damim. You know, if this sounds like a broken record, it is. Right? This is what we hear every year. Every year, again, and again, and again, and again. The base Hamikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. And as the Masil Sisharim tells us, the more something is repeated, the less of a clue we have about it. The more obvious an idea is, the less of an understanding we have. What in the world does it mean? Sinas chinam. What's so bad? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm learning Torah. I go to Daf Yomi every night. Every morning I learn, you know, Halacha Yomis. I learn everything. I learn five hours a day. And not only that, I'm the biggest Baal Chesed. I visit the hospitals. I give tzedakah. The only thing is, I don't like you. That's it. I can't stand you. I hate your guts. But besides that, right? I learn all day. And I do chesed. What do you want from me? Right? If some, you need money? Here. Here's my credit card. No problem. You need tzedakah? Maisa. Forget about maisa. I go like the grah. 20%. You know that? The Rambam says 20% is a chiyuv. That's how the Vilna Gain passes. That's a separate shit. So I give you my tzedakah. I learn my Torah. I just don't like you. I don't like you. So what's the big deal? That's a problem? Why do I have to like you? I mean, the first base Hamikdash, what did it take to destroy? It took murder, 
adultery and idolatry. And the second base something it sounds like, you know, they, well, the problem was they weren't learning Shari Tshuva or something. They weren't learning Musa. I mean, they didn't have a question for you. If Sinas Chinam is so bad, what about Goyim, right? Goyim, they have, they're full of Avas Chinam, right? Right? The Goyim, they love each other. The Arabs, they love the Western. They love America, right? They, they, they could only come here and give us big hugs. They love us, right? Goyim, they love each other. North Korea, they love South Korea, right? In Germany, they, they love each other. The Shiites and the Sunnis, right? They, they want to be, get together and dance at a Simcha. I mean, if it's such a big Avera, if Sinas Chinam is such a big Avera, why are the Goyim not held accountable? The Goyim are held accountable for murder. They're held accountable for adultery. They're held accountable for idolatry. And yet, Sinas Chinam? No. Goyim specialize in Sinas Chinam. Lashon Hara? Right? You know, in American law, right? What happens, uh, right? My father always tells. And what happens if, you know, someone sues you for slander? What do you do? All you have to do is prove that it's true. Then you're off the hook, right? According to American law, if someone speaks lush and hard about you and you want to sue them, what do you do? <coughs> All you have to do is prove the information is true and it's mutter l'chachila, l'chol hadeos, right? Even the Chafetz Chaim would say it's mutter, right, for Goyim. And yet for a Yid, forget it, if it's not true, it's, it's Maitzi Shemra. But if it's true, that's the definition of lush and hara. So I don't understand. The Gemara is telling me Sinas Chinam is so terrible, it destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. What's so terrible? What you got to do? You learn, you daven, you give your tzedakah, you, you know, you go visit the sick, you dance at some poor girl's chuppah, and when they make an appeal in the shul, you're the first one to announce $180, and you're good to go. Well, I have to like you also. I mean, come on. That's asking too much already, you know? Okay. I find a very interesting medrash. The medrash tells us, that in the merit of four things, Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim. Number one, now this medrash is probably the most mangled medrash of all the medrashim. Number one, the medrash says, they were Gedurim Ba'arayas, which means they acted modestly, Number two, they didn't speak Lashon Hara. Number three, they didn't change their names. That's why they left Mitzrayim, because they didn't change their names. Oh, you know, Fivo leaves Mitzrayim. You say, Fivo, why did you leave Mitzrayim? Because I didn't change my name to Frank. I called myself Fivo. All right, Shkayach. I mean, that, that's why he left Mitzrayim. Because he's still called Fivo. He's still called Beryl. He's still called Shmerel. And he didn't change his name to, I don't know, Steve or Pete. What's the big deal? Who cares? You know, it matters. And when he gets his Haliyah, he says his Hebrew name. It matters what it says on his driver's license, you know. What he, what he, when, the, when the checkpoint checked his camel's license, you know, it said Fival on it. So that's why he left Mitzrayim? I mean, what's the big deal? And then we find an even uh, more difficult Gemara. The Gemara says in Masech Yavamis, what's the halacha? You know, if somebody is in a, um, a room with another dead body, so the halacha is you contract Tumah. That is called Tomas Oihel, right? So if somebody, you know, Loyalenu, somebody's at a Levaya, somebody's at a, at a Hespid, and there's a mace in the room, if someone is in that room, you contract Tomah. Says the Gemara, that's only if the mace is a Jew. Rabbi said, we have to have absolute silence here. That's only if the mace is a Jew. But what if the mace is a guy? You know, what if, you know, you went to uh, some kind of funeral of a guy, and you're in the same room as the guy, 
You're Kadosh Fatahar, nothing happens to you. Right? You could go into the Beis Hamikdash, you don't even have to wash your hands three times, right? You're Pater from that. Why? Says the Gemara in Mesech de Yivamis, Reb Shimon Bar Yechai Oimer, number three, Kivre Akum Enon Metamin Ba'ayhel. Goyim do not contract Tuma. Why? Because it says about Tumah, A man that dies in the ayah, says the Gemara, Atem Kruyan Adam. Klal Yisrael are called Adam. Fiein Oivdei Kaychavim Kruyan Adam. Goyim are not called Adam. Here's the nice over here. Goyim are not called Adam. Right? Like Nishkein Mensch. They're not, they're not called Adam. A Jew is called Adam. A guy is not called Adam. I mean, you got to hide this Gemara. You know, you know, take it off Torah anytime. You're going to go around, you're going to put in our Gemara that a, Jews are called Adam, Goyim are not called Adam, you know, during the blood libels with Mendel Bayless. By the way, he was Nifter, Chaf, Dalid, Tamas. His Yartai was this past Shabbos. So one of the accusations that was hurled against him was this Gemara. They said, what's going on? You know, you Jews, you're, you look down at Goyim. The Gemara says, Jews are called Adam, Goyim are not called Adam. How do we explain this Gemara? How do we make any sense? Why are Goyim not called Adam? I mean, where do Goyim come from? Who's their Elta Zayda? Adam Marishain. So only Jews are called Adam. Goyim are not called Adam? How do we understand such a thing? Okay. We're about to learn a very powerful Yusayid, very fundamental principle. And that is, it's an idea that we may have heard or we may understand instinctively but we're not aware necessarily of the source of it. And that is, the Anshei Knesset HaGdoyla, when they enacted which parashios we read when, it would seem to us it was sort of haphazard. You look in the Gemara, the Gemara says, just make sure you lay in Bechokaisai before Shavuos, make sure you lay in Nitzavim before Rosh Hashanah. But you know, in an ordinary week, an ordinary week, is there a connection between parashas Lech Lecha and the month of Cheshvan? Is there a connection between Matos Maseh and the three weeks? Says the Shlach HaKadosh, yes. There is an absolute connection. Look at number four. As far as I know, this is the earliest known source for the concept that every parsha, as we read it, as the weeks go by, has a connection to the time of the year. Says the Shlach HaKadosh, Va'oid tisboinein v'tira inyan nifla. You will, if you think about the following, you will come to realize a wondrous thing. A timely idea is very appropriate. Says the Shla that we come across, we encounter the idea that during the three weeks we always read Matos, Masei, Devarim. Says the Shla Haloi Davarhu. There has to be a reason for it. It's not coincidental, and the reason is very simple. Parshas, Matos, Masei, Devarim speak about the Jewish people conquering the Goyim, taking over Eretz Yisrael, where, and therefore during this time of the year, during the three weeks, when we're mourning over the loss of the Beis HaMikdash and the loss of Eretz Yisrael and our lowly status to the nations of the world, it is most appropriate to read these parshios, Matos, Masei, Devarim, that speak about the allocation and distribution of Eretz Yisrael. This is what the Shlach HaKadosh tells us. In other words, this is our chizuk. This is our, our strength. This is our encouragement. That during this time of the year, Hashem says, one day you will get back Eretz Yisrael. One day you will conquer Eretz Yisrael. Okay. So what we're going to try to do is, 
maybe, maybe, maybe there is something in this week's parasha, on Parashas Matas, that could give us a clue, teach us a little bit, give us some insight into the concept of what Sin Aschinam is, why it was responsible for destroying the Beis HaMikdash, what does it mean Klai Yisrael is called Adam, what does it mean that in the Zuchus that we did not change our names, we left Mitzrayim. Says the Gemara Nadarim. You know the story about the guy, there was once a guy, he had this, you know, Chumrah. Anytime he was involved in a certain pursuit, he had to learn the Masechta relevant to that pursuit. So, you know, on Pesach, he always learned Masechta Pesachim. On Rosh Hashanah, he always learned Masechta Rosh Hashanah. On Sukkot, he always learned Masechta Sukkah. You know, it was the guy, you know, it was time for him to get married. And they sent out the invitations. Everybody is looking at their watch. It's 7.30. The chassan is lost. No one knows where the chassan is. Where's the chassan? Where did he go? They're looking all over for him. They see him. They find him finally in some back room. So what are you doing? It's time to get married. He said, I have to learn Masech the Kedushin. Isn't that you crazy? Masech the Kedushin? I mean, enough with your, with your shtuyot, with your ridiculous practice. Okay, now, now. He said, what do you want me to learn? Masech the Gittin? I mean, I have to learn Masech the Kedushin. Mm-hmm. So he said, no problem. I'll be right in. Okay, 10 minutes pass, 20 minutes pass. They still, he's not, nowhere to be found. They find him in another room. This time he's doing Mestachta Nedarim. He had to be Mater Neder. Okay, but in any event, the Gemara tells us the Mestachta Nedarim. Right? Parshas Matos begins with the union of Nedarim. Is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to make a Neder? Is a Neder good? Yeah, we think it's a good thing. You know, somebody... Uh, he, uh, he's eating too much, so he wants to make a nether. From now on, I'm not going to eat Carlos and Gabby's, right? Only Annie's kitchen, right? He makes a nether. Is that a good nether? Is it good to make nadarim? Says the Gemara in Masechta Nadarim, Rav Nos and Oimer, Hanoider Ki'ilu Banabama. Someone who makes a nether, it's as if he built a prohibited altar. We know in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, there was one Mizbeach in Yerushalayim, that's where everyone brought their carbonos, and it was prohibited to offer sacrifices in your backyard. You know, if instead of making a barbecue one day, you want to put on the grill some kudshim, some sacrificial service, you're not allowed to do that. It's a bummer. You can't make your own altar. Says the Gemara, someone who makes a vow, it's like you built a prohibited mizbeah, a bummer. Says the Gemara, and if you actually keep the vow, it's like you offered a sacrifice on the prohibited bummer. Samara so wants to know, what in the world does the Gemara mean? What's wrong with making a nether? After all, the guy says, I got to drop 10 pounds, so I don't want to eat Carlos and Gabby's anymore. That's so bad. That's so terrible. He's making a nether. What's wrong with making a nether? Says the Maral. We're all familiar with the idea. There's something called Klal Yisrael, right? I'm a good Jew, you're a good Jew, we're all good Jews, we get together, Wednesday night, fine, wonderful. Says the Maral, aside from the fact that I'm a Jew, and you're a Jew, and he's a Jew, and your cousin is a Jew, there is something called the entity of Klal Yisrael. Aside from the fact that there are many individuals, and great Jews, and great Yidin, and each one is Kulam Ahuvim, Kulam Nechmadim. But nevertheless, says Maral, there's something called the body of Klal Yisrael, the corpus of Klal Yisrael, an entity of Klal Yisrael. And that entity, every Jew has to feel like he is connected, not with himself, a Jew who sits in his four cubits and does not associate and consider himself part of the Jewish people is an abysmal failure. 
is an abysmal failure. In order to be a Jew, what? A big failure. A failure. Bad. Ra. Ra ma'od, right? Says the Maral, there is something called the entity of Klal Yisrael. If somebody goes ahead and says, besides the 613 mitzvahs, I want to prohibit upon myself something that no one else is prohibited in. So what's he doing? He's cutting away from the entity of Klal Yisrael. He's being parish menat sibor. He's separating from that corpus called Klal Yisrael. He's a man, an island in and of himself. You can't do that. You can't separate from the entity called Klal Yisrael. You know what you're like? You're like someone who says, I don't need to go to the Mizbeach. I don't need to go to the Beis HaMikdash. I will make my own altar. I'll make my own Bama. I'll be an island in and of itself. Says the Maral, says the Maral, in order to be a successful Jew, you have to, in your mind, associate with the entire body of Klal Yisrael. Because we have to understand that as much as God loves every individual, every individual Jew, there is nothing more precious to Hashem than the entirety of Klal Yisrael. In other words, the entirety of Klal Yisrael has a different status in the eyes of God than just one Jew, just ten Jews, than a million Jews. God could look at every individual and see many individuals. But the collective entity takes on a completely different status. There is nothing more precious in the eyes of God than the collective entity of Klai Yisrael. And that's why we find later on in the parsha that Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, Nikaim, Nikmas, B'nai, Yisrael, Me'esham, and Yanim, take revenge for the Jewish people. And when Moshe Rabbeinu comes and reports this to the Jewish people, he says, Nikaim, Nikmas, Hashem, take revenge for God. What do you mean? God didn't say take revenge for him. God said take revenge for the Jewish people. Says Rashi. Says Rashi. Anyone who stands up against the collective body of Klal Yisrael is as if they're standing up against God Himself. Like we say in Tehillim. Rebani Shalom. We say, Elohim al-Domilach al-Techrashvi al-Tishkoidel. Hashem, your enemies stand up against you. What does that mean? Which enemies stand up against God? You see people shooting missiles at Hashem? Says David HaMelech, When they stand up against your people, not against me, not against you, not against this shul, not against Kew Garden Hills, against the entity of Klal Yisrael. The entity of Klal Yisrael takes on a different status in the eyes of God than just the collective sum of its parts. There's a certain synergy there's a certain one plus one plus one is not three. When you take the collective sum of Kaisra, it attains a unique status in the eyes of Hashem. Says the Ran. Says the Ran. Remember when Moshe Rabbeinu, he criticizes Kaisra. He says, Shimu Nahamoyrim. Listen up, you rebels. He was punished terribly. Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest man who ever lived, he criticizes Kaisra. He calls them rebels and he's punished. What's the problem? What did he do wrong? They, they are rebels. Yanko's a rebel. Beryl's a rebel. Fivel's a rebel. Shmerel's a rebel. Even Zalman, he's also a rebel. They're all rebels. Says the Ran, that's beautiful. Zalman and Beryl and Shmerel and Yanko, they could all be um, rebels. But to call the entity of Klal Yisrael rebellious, you can't touch the entity of Klal Yisrael. 
the Klal Yisrael, that corpus, that body, is not just Baro Shmero Yankel Ami. It's more than us. It attains a new status. That is why Chazal say, that if you have a Jewish leader, they have to be afraid of the tzibor. They have to have a certain awe and respect and fear of the tzibor. So, you know, simply it means, you know, if you're a rabbi and you want to get up on the pulpit, you should shake a little bit. You should show them that you're scared. You know, don't let them think you're too comfortable up there. Let them think you still have the jitters, even though you've done it so many times. Let them think you're still nervous, right? The moment they think you're good at it, you know, time for the next rabbi. So, you know, you always want to show you're, you're scared. That's not what it means, Rabbi Sai. What does it mean you should always be scared of the tzibur? Says the Ran, this is talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu should be scared of the tzibur? Why? why? Yankel? He's a thousand times smarter than Yankel. Beryl? He learned shots 50,000 times more than Beryl. Shmeryl? Come on. Moshe Rabbeinu compared to... But the answer is, Moshe is greater than Yankel and Beryl and Shmeryl and every Yachid. But when you take the collective body of Klai Yisrael, it synergizes, if that's a word. It combines into a unique entity that is untouchable. Cannot be criticized, cannot be harmed. Don't even give it a bad look. Don't even look at it bad. You, can't, you look at Klal Yisrael bad, that's it. Zapped. Zapped. Don't touch the entity of Klal Yisrael. You know, it's like a watch. You know, you take a watch. What's a watch? Say so you pay $100 for a watch. The gear, the gear costs, you know, if somebody would give you a gear as a present, you know, you would never talk to them in gear. It's not even worth a penny. What can you do with a gear? You bend it in half. The, the handle, the, the thing that they call stainless, I mean, it's junk. It's made out of junk. Every single part of a watch, I don't think maybe the battery costs $2, but every part of the watch is a piece of junk. But so, why, so why do they charge so much money for it? The answer is they're not charging for any one part. The collective entity of the watch as it functions has a unique value that no individual part has. That is Klai Yisrael. I may not be worthy. He may not be worthy. None of us may be worthy. But as one collective entity, we attain a certain status in the eyes of Hashem that is untouchable. The author of Kitzur Shulchan Arach was named Rav Shleim Gansfried. He wrote a sefer on Chumash and he makes the following comment. You know, there are four names for man. Adam, Gever, Enosh, and Ish. Thank you. You heard this year before, how do you know? Adam, Gever, Enosh, and Ish. The highest level is called Adam. Asks the Aushech HaKadosh. If you look in Parshas, Tazria, where it talks about the Baal Lashon Hara. What name do we call the Baal Lashon Hara? Adam, Adam, Adam. This guy is a Russia. I would call him Russia. What are we calling Adam? Adam is the highest possible title we could call man. Why do we call the Baal Lashon Hara? Adam, Also ask the Alshech, why do we have, why do we so hung up with Lashon Hara? This is Machsayim Lapi and the Seri Yechavetz Chaim. You know, relax already with the with the Lashon Hara business. Come on, how much, how long do we have to hear how bad Lashon Hara is? I mean, if it's so bad, then why do the Goyim get to speak Lashon Hara all day, right? In the in the Goyish world, 
there's a certain, besides sports, what's the next most important activity? Gossip, right, gossip. That's a certain leisure activity, you gossip. If you're not, if you're not, you know, you have nothing better to do, okay, the game is over, now what? Let's gossip, right? That's what they specialize in, right? They're kaiveya itim, they have gossip yoimi, it's a big thing, it's a big thing, right? And they may even have a siyam on it. No, I'm just joking. Whoa, so what's so bad? Whoa, why is it so bad? Says the Baal Kitzur Shokharach, and this is an idea mentioned in the Sefer, Oyleloi Safrayim. Anybody know who wrote the Oyleloi Safrayim? Rabbi Ephraim, very good. Rabbi Ephraim Lynchitz. You're on the ball tonight. Rabbi Ephraim Lynchitz, who is the author of the Kliyakar, he says the following For Goyim to speak Lashon Hara, nothing wrong. It's mutter. Right? It's the least of our problem. Let them speak Lashon Hara better than other things. Why is it not a problem for them? Because there's a fundamental difference in the fabric of the nations of the world and the fabric of Klai Why are Klai called Adam? Why are we not called Ish? Why are we not called Gever? Why are we not called Enosh? And why are the Goyim not called Adam? Says the Baal Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, says the Oilei Safrayim. There is a difference between the word Adam as opposed to Enosh, Gever, Ish. How do you say Enosh? Enosh, one man is Enosh. How do you say many men? Anoshim, plural. How do you say man, Gever? How do you say many men? Givarim. How do you say ish? Ish. How do you say many ish? Ishim. How about Adam? One man is called Adam. How about many men? Adam. How about 50 men? Adam. How about all mankind? Adam. Adam is the one word that there is no plural. There's no plural for Adam. It's like the word fish, right? You have one fish. What are you going to call many fish? Fishies? No. There's no fish. A fish is a fish is a fish. One fish, two fish, right? Even Dr. Seuss knows. One fish, two. Adam is one man, many men. Says the Oilois Ephraim. Remember the family of Esau? Very small family. What are they called? Nefashos. Klal Yisrael, Yaakov Avinu comes down to Mitzrayim. Shivim Nefesh. Right? You heard this before, remember in third grade? Beautiful idea, right? We're one, there are many. What does this mean? Okay? Now, if you've been to the shir before, you might know the answer to this question. Okay. Right now, sitting here at 9.03, whatever time it is, where is your neshama located, right? You know, the famous question. It's 9.03, do you know where your neshama is located? Where is your neshama located right now? One second. If you know the answer, don't give it away yet, okay? Right? Where it's in the head, the eye, the brain, the stomach. Where where is it? Where is it? In the heart. What do you say? Yeah. Right above your head, an inch like the halo, right? Noise. Where is it? Brain. Okay, now those who know you could answer now. Noise. The Nishama right now is primarily in Shamayim under the Kisaya cover. What? No. That's a new one. The neshama right now is under the kisei cover. Why? You're telling me? Yeah. The ruba, the ruba, the ruba, the ruba of the neshama is located under the kisei cover. 
You know what it is? The majority of the neshama is under the kisah covered, and it trickles down, 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 until the bottom tip of the neshama rests in the body. So you say, where'd this guy get this from? You say it every day, three times a day. V'al nishmaisenu ha-pikudais lach. Our souls are deposited by you. Most people think it means when you go to sleep, you give your neshama to Hashem. No. It means right now the neshama is by the Rebbe You ever right? I have a question for you. What article of clothing houses the entire body? None, really. But you could say the whole body is housed in the shoe. You don't live in your shoe. Only the old lady lives in her shoe, right? But most people do not live in their shoe. Their foot is in the shoe. The foot. The foot is the most bottom portion of the body, and the foot is in the shoe. But in a way, the shoe is housing the whole body. The same way the shoe houses the goof, the body houses the neshama. The body is the shoe of the neshama. The 99.9% of the neshama right now is under the kisei hakavod. That is why every time you do a mitzvah, you affect all the olamais. Why? Not because you send like a telegram there. Because you're there. You're there. By the way, this is Nefesh Achayim 101. This is uh, elementary Machshavas Yisrael. The Nisham, now, so now, my Nishama is up there. Your Nishama is up there. So now we set, tend to think of ourselves. Yeah, the Jewish people are one, right? We say, we're one, we're one, we're one. What does that mean, we're one? It means the following. Says the Chafetz Chaim in the Sefer Shemir Salash. Right now it seems like I'm my, in my own entity. You're your own entity. I have my life. You have your life. We get together once a week. I have your fa- my family. You have your family. I do my job. You do your job. But we have no connection. <coughs> Says the Chafetz Chaim, no. If the majority of the Neshama is under the Kisei HaKavod, right now under the Kisei HaKavod, Nishmas Yisrael Chad. There is one neshama of Klal Yisrael that branches off down in this world, trickles down, 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 as a separate entity. So it looks like we're separate entities. It looks like we have no connection. It looks like we're not related. Don't take this idea too far, but it's a reality. In a certain dimension, the neshama of Klal Yisrael is one entity. That is why the Torah says, you know, imagine a guy... He's walking down the street. He slips on, he slips on his uh, foot. So imagine says, the guy says to his foot, you stupid foot. I can't stand you anymore. I'm not going to take you to the doctor. I'm not going to put a cast on you. You go yourself. I got to go to work. Right? The guy's a shaykh to Shabbat He's a fool. Well, he's not going to take his foot to the doctor? What's he going to... And then he starts taking revenge against the foot. He starts hitting the foot. Right? What's... He's, he's, he needs help. Why? Why? It seems very logical, no? The foot tripped him, so he needs to, you know, get back at the foot. But what's the answer? The foot and the arm and the head, it's all part of one entity. Yeah, they have different jobs, they have different functions, but it's all part of one entity. Says the Chafetz Chaim, that is why Hashem tells us, don't take revenge. You're going to take revenge against your foot? In reality, the corpus of Klal Yisrael is one unit. In Shamayim right now, there is one neshama of Klai Yisrael, Tachas, Kisei, Akavai, and eventually one day that's where we all end up. The Haisa, Nefesh, Hachayim, Es You start off there, you end up there, and you're there now. That's the idea 
that Klai Yisrael is called Adam. You know why Klai Yisrael is called Adam? The Umay Sa'ilam, by very definition, every person is man, he's by himself. He's an island by himself. He has no connection to his brother. He has no connection to his father. He has no connection to his people. They are separate entities. And if they speak Lashon Hara and they cause discord, they're not doing anything wrong. They're merely fragmenting what has already been fragmented. They are not destroying, slicing, cutting the fabric of the makeup of their people. That is why Goyim are called Gever, because they're plural, Gevarim. They could be called Enosh, Anoshim. They could be called Ish, Ishim. But they can't be called Adam, because Adam signifies one corpus that is not divided, is not fragmented. That is the makeup of the fabric of Klai Yisrael. The fabric of Klai Yisrael is one entity. And therefore, says the Baal Kitzur Shacharach, to speak Lashon Hara, Sinas Chinam, you are destroying the fabric of the Jewish people. You're destroying... Hey, if you have Goyim, so what are Goyim? The Goyim are, you know, Goyim are one, one piece of cloth, another piece of cloth. They're two distinct pieces of cloth. They were never connected. They have no connection. So what are you going to do? You're going to go like that? You're not ripping anything. They're not connected anyway. But Klal Yisrael at its very makeup is one fabric to speak Lashon Hara. Sinas Chinam is destroying the fabric of Klal Yisrael. That is the meaning. Klal Yisrael is Nikra Adam. Nikra Adam. Because Adam is the only terminology to refer to a people as one unit. Says the Safrayim. When the Medrash tells us that we were redeemed from Mitzrayim in the merit that we didn't change our name, it doesn't mean we didn't change our name, you know, from Beryl to uh, Sabab, from, uh, from Yankelovich to uh, Jacobo, who knows? That's not what it means. The definition of the Medrash, what the Medrash means is, you know what it means? We didn't change our name. We allowed ourselves to be called Adam. The title Adam was appropriate for us. God said, you are called Adam, and we allowed the term Adam to be appropriate for us. We did not, we did not, we were faithful to that name. We were loyal to that name. We didn't need to be changed. God didn't have to say, you're no longer Adam, now you're Ish. You're no longer Adam, now you're Gever. You're no longer Adam, now you're Enosh. The name Adam was most appropriate for us. Rabbi say we come to a very important idea. And if you came to this shul one time in your life just to hear the following, it was worth it. If Klal Yisrael is an entity that is greater than the sum of its parts, it's not just one Jew, two Jews, three Jews. By the way, the Gemara in Kresis tells us, very interesting, any Tainus that doesn't have Mipoyshe Yisrael is not a tainus, which means like this. Let's say you're at Yom Kippur, right? And you have in Meir Sha'arim a hundred tzaddikim standing there in the shul with their stramlochan, shaking. These people are Kaddish Vitar, they just came out of the mikvah, and a murderer knocks on the shoulder. Can I come in? You know, he has 20 tattoos and, you know, a leather jacket, and he comes in on his motorcycle on Yom Kippur. And they say, Get out of here. And they don't let him in. Says the Gemara, they were not Yotzeh the Davani. What, these G'dayli Hadar have to let in the murderer, says the Gemara. No, they have to. If they don't let him in, it's not a Tainus. Not a Tainus. Why? How do we understand? You have a hundred Tzadikim G'daylim. Not a Tainus. 
but you let in a murderer, right? He's a mass murderer. He's an adulterer and he's an idol worshiper. You have to let him in. Yeah. You know why? Because if you just have a hundred tzaddikim, you have a hundred individuals. And individuals, as great as each individual is, no individual is worthy. You let in the murderer. Now you're represented by the entire spectrum of Klai Yisrael. Now you don't have a hundred individuals. Now you are representing Klai Yisrael. And Klai Yisrael is untouchable. Untouchable. As bad as they may do this, they may do that. Says the Chafetz Chaim, we had a Navi by the name of Yeshaya Hanavi. Anyone ever heard of Yeshaya? Right? Who was Yeshaya's son-in-law? Chizkiyahu HaMelech. Who is Chizkiyahu's son? Menashe. Menashe was the all-time, one of the all-time greatest Rishayim. Chizkiyahu was one of the all-time greatest Tzaddikim. So Menashe one day comes over to the Zayda. He says, Zayda, I'm killing you, okay? He said, why? Because you're a Navi Shekhar. You're a liar. You don't say anything true. You claim that you say, you write in your Navi Yeshaya, you say, you saw Hashem, Ba'aras Hashem, you saw God. But Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, Kiva Yirani Adam Bachai. You claim, Yeshaya, that God gave 15 extra years to Chizkiyot. But God says, Es Mispar Yemecha Amale, I don't add on years. You say that you could dive into Hashem only 10 days a year. But Moshe said, Okay, so therefore, you see this revolver? I'm going to shoot you. So, Yeshaya was a little surprised that his grandson wanted to shoot him. So, what did he do? He ran. He ran away. He's figured like this. Well, I'm going to try to explain myself to my grandson. If I explain myself, he's not going to accept it anyway. And he's going to be killing me intentionally and not accidentally. So therefore, I'm not going to say anything. He ran away. They were chasing after him. So Yeshaya did the following. He said the name of God. says the Gemara in Yivam is Memtes. He turned into a cedar tree. Okay? Don't try it at home. He turned into a cedar tree. So, you know, if you turn into a cedar tree, it's hard for anyone to know who you are. The only thing is the Yushalmi says that his tzitzis were sticking out. So they see a cedar tree with tzitzis. Menashe was a smart guy. He knew that that's the Zayda. He brings the Zayda to the, you know, to the carpenter, you know, where they have the automatic chainsaw. And they start, you know, chainsawing the tree. Yeshaya is untouchable. Until they get up to his mouth, whereupon the soul of Yeshaya Hanavi leaves. Says the Gemara, what? Because one time, Yeshaya criticized Klal Yisrael. What did he say? God appears to Yeshaya the first time, and he says, he appears to Yeshaya. So Yeshaya says, Oily Kenan may say I'm doomed. I'm going to appear, God should appear to me? He was so shaken up. He said, I'm not worthy. He says, he says, Ish, he says, My mouth is so impure. How can I appear in front of God? And I live among a nation who has impure mouth. Says the Gemara, Who asked Yeshaya to say a bad word about Klal Yisrael? You want to say about yourself, your that's your business. But now you're going to say about Klal Yisrael that they're Tmeis Vasayim. Says Rebbe I'll protect you from anything. But when they get to your mouth, you're unprotected. Because as soon as you touch Klal Yisrael, you could be Moshe Rabbeinu, you could be Yeshaya Hanavi, you're in big trouble. Says the Chafetz Chaim. 
we have a tradition from the Yalkut Ruveni that there was a man named Shvuel ben Gershoim, a grandson of Moshe Rabbeinu, who was an idolater, says the Chafetz Chaim. Why did that happen? Moshe Rabbeinu should have a grandson who's an idolater because one time Moshe called Klal Yisrael Tarbus Anoshim. He criticized the entity of Klal Yisrael. You want to criticize Yankel, say whatever you want. You want to criticize Beryl, say whatever you want. Don't say a word about Klal Yisrael. Don't open your mouth. Don't open your mouth against Klal Yisrael. It doesn't matter who you are. Says the Chafetz Chaim, even Eliyahu Anovi. He says to Rebani Shalom, Tanoi Kinesi. He says, God, the Jews don't do bris milah. God says, okay, you're fired. Elisha's turn. You're out. You can't speak as much as we hear. Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara. A thousand times worse than Lashon Hara is to criticize the corpus of Klai Yisrael. The next time you find yourself say, these Hasidim, you better close your mouth fast. Don't say a word about them. You want to talk? That Hasidim, they're the most devout. They're the kindest. No one does chesed like Satmar Hasidim. Nobody has avas so like Belzer Hasidim. You chas for Shom to open your mouth about a group of Klai Yisrael. What are you, crazy? That's the most dangerous thing you could do. That's the most dangerous thing you could do. You want to talk Lashon Hara? You're better off talking Lashon Hara. To criticize an entity, a group, a collective unit of Klai Yisrael, chas v'shalem, says the Chafetz Chaim. Earlier in the career of Yeshaya Hanavi, earlier in his career, after he said, Ki betoich, uh, uh, You know what Hashem did immediately? He went to the Malach, he went to the Malach, and he tells the Malach, Go feed Yeshaya supper. What was the supper? Hot coals. Delicious. Hot coals. That was immediately. No, no savlanut, no patience. You always, Lashon Hara is one thing. To touch the collective unit of Klai Yisrael, you can't go near it. Says the Medrash, Klai Yisrael is called the Kerem of Hashem, the vineyard of Hashem. You know what that means? Says the Tanit Vel if a king has an orchard, not only you're not going to go into the orchard and you know steal something, not only you're not going to go into the orchard, cut something off. If you're walking by the orchard and you give it a bad look, you're a dead man. Don't even look at it bad. Don't look at the orchard. Don't look at Klai so bad. The moment you even have the havamina, the, the thought enters your mind to say something bad. Think about something else. Don't even think about. It. When it comes to the corpus of Klai Yisrael, they are untouchable. This guy has his problem. I have my problems. But as a unit, in the eyes of Hashem, there's nothing more precious, nothing more dear than the unit of Klai Yisrael. Says the Chafetz Chaim, a Jew needs to train themselves. You need training to develop the habit of speaking good about the Jewish people. Talk about there is no people in the world that are as generous as charitable, as devout, whatever, whatever shortcomings there are. We are the worst Jews, are better than the best Goyim. That is the type of speech pattern a Jew has to develop. Chas v'shalem. You can't think of anything good to say? I'll tell you a lot of things. But you don't have anything? Keep your mouth closed. Chas v'shalem. To touch the entity of Klai Yisrael. That's the lesson. Ish kiyidar neder l'ashem. Ish kiyidar. You want to make a neder and break away from the entity? It's like you're building a bama. 
At all times, a person has to associate. Klai Yisrael has a certain event. You don't want to go, don't go. You're going to criticize thousands of Jews? You have a reason, you're busy, this, that. You're going to start talking about Jews? Dangerous territory, very dangerous territory. You can't be walking on a thinner tightrope. You can't be walking on a thinner tightrope. So therefore, we come back to the Beis HaMikdash. This is the concept. Klal Yisrael is Nikra Adam, called Adam. No other nation is called Adam. They could be called Ish, they could be called Enosh, they could be called Gever, not Adam. Adam is reserved for the Jewish people. We find a very interesting thing, and that is, in order to build the Beis HaMikdash, a few more minutes, two more minutes. Who do we need to build the Beis HaMikdash? Architects? No. We need... Big tzaddikim? No. We need a melech. We need the king. The Ramam writes in Hilchus Malachim, the melech HaMashiach will come, he will return, Malchus based David, and he'll build the base HaMikdash. What do you need a king to build the base HaMikdash? What do you need a king for? What's he going to do? He knows how to build buildings? What does the king know? He knows how to wear his crown. He's powerful. He could kill you if he doesn't like you. But what does he know about the base HaMikdash? And this is mentioned in many different places. That even the Bayes Rishon. You need a David HaMelech. You need a David HaMelech to sanctify the Ritzvah. To sanctify the walls. You can't build a base HaMikdash without the king. Why do you need a king? What's the union of a king? Listen to this. Says the Vilna Gaim. What's a base HaMikdash? Beis HaMikdash is where God rests. It's a Makam Okay? Why does God need to rest on a building? Why can't He rest in my house? Why can't He rest in your house? Why can't He rest on my car? Why can't He rest on uh, the moon? Why does He have to rest on a building? The answer is, God doesn't rest on a building. God rests on Klal Yisrael. But more than that, He doesn't rest... Well, who's He going to rest on? The God of Hadar? No God of Hadar is worthy of God resting on just Him. He has to rest on the corpus of Klaisa, the entity of Klaisa. Fine. How do we get an entity of Klaisa? The Vilna Gaon adds, he doesn't just rest on the entity of Klaisa, he only will rest in a person's heart. But which person? I'm not worthy, you're not worthy, he's not worthy. So what we need to do somehow is make one lave. So how do you do that? So one way of doing it is if you disregard our sheer about organ donation, you know, you make a massive heart transplant, you dump all the hearts in one bowl, right? Is that the Beis HaMikdash? Says the Vilna Gaon, we find something very interesting. That by the donations of the Beis HaMikdash, it's Ish, Asher, Yidvenu, Libai. We only accept donations of people who give it generously. Why generously? Let's say you guys, what, what, what happens? You know, you're a shul, someone comes... He writes out a check for $1,000. But you know he's a stingy guy and he's not doing it with a full heart and he's not really being that generous. What do you do with the check? Cash, Cash it immediately. That's what you do with the check. <laughs> do you say, no, here, take the check back. You're not giving it with Nadivas Halev. I mean, come on. But when it comes to the Beis HaMikdash, you only accept donations from Ish, Asher, Yidvenu, Libai. Why? Says the Vilna Gaon. Because what's the Beis HaMikdash? It's the Lev of Klal Yisrael. How do you have a lave of Klai? So if everyone gives, benedivas halev, everyone gives with their heart. So this building is now representative of 
the collective lave of Klai Yisrael. So if you give your check to the Beis HaMikdash, but you're not giving it generously, you're not giving your lave. And therefore you don't have a Beis HaMikdash. So what is a Beis HaMikdash? It is the collective lave of Klai Yisrael. Now we understand why you need the Melech. The Ramam tells us the role of the Melech is lave, Melech, lave, Kahal Yisrael. The heart of the king is the collective heart of Klai Yisrael. He is able to represent and connect and amass one lave of Klai Yisrael. Now I believe we understand the problem with Sinas Chinam. It's not the Pshat. I learn, I dive, and the only thing is I don't like you. So Hashem says, it's not that I'm punishing you, I'm taking away the base Hamikdash as a punishment. If there is Sinas Chinam, you don't have a base Hamikdash. The definition of a base Hamikdash is the lave of Klal Yisrael. My lave, your lave, his lave come together as one lave. That is what Hashem dwells in. That is what Hashem rests on. But when there's Sinas Chinam and there's Pirud Halavavos and the hearts are separated, Hashem doesn't say, now I'm going to punish you. You don't have the Metzios of a base. You don't have a base Hamikdash. Yeah, you have a building and you have my lave and you have his lave, but you don't have the collective lave of Klai Yisrael. The Sinas Chinam is what we call destroying the fabric of the Adam. Klai Yisrael is Nikra Adam. We were redeemed from Mitzrayim because Shalashinu es Shemam. We didn't change the name Adam. And to get out of this Golis that we're in, we have to be Roy to be called Adam. To be called Adam, the Beis HaMikdash has to be able to have the reality of Beis HaMikdash. And the reality of the Beis HaMikdash is Lev Echad. And Sinas Chinam, not a punishment. It destroys the reality of the opportunity and the Metzias of Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi say again,